the Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved, and still the Bible stands. Totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. Happy as a clam to be with you tonight. Thanks for joining us for The Bible Live this evening as we finish up. Truly one of the great books, one of the more satisfying, more complete intellectually at least, more complete books of the Bible. This letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in Rome, where Paul had never been, nor had any of the early apostles visited uh, to this time the city of Rome, and yet Rome had clearly been impacted by the message of the gospel. You have to understand that the people of the first century were spiritually bankrupt. There was general revelation. They had the sun, the moon, the stars, the sky, the seasons, the same as we. They understood that the Creator, God, would probably be personal. They clearly understood, as we do today, that if there is a God, if there is an intellect powerful enough to create everything that we see around us, that being would not be less than personal. That being would understand personality since he created personality. It would not be less than his creation. They understood that, and yet they knew so little about God's love, about God's understanding of morality, good and evil, and his plan of redemption, his plan to forgive mankind and to bring mankind into relationship with him. The gospel opened the door. The gospel turned on the light. It really confirmed their greatest dream, that there was indeed a great God. He was good, and he cared about them, and he is knowable. Well, we'll finish up the book of Romans tonight. Let's go now and finish up the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 18 at least, here on The Bible Life. Proverbs 18, 13 through 24. What a shame, what folly to give advice before listening to the facts. The human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear it if the spirit is crushed? Intelligent people are always open to new ideas. In fact, they look for them. Giving a gift works wonders, 
It may bring you before important people. Any story sounds true until someone sets the record straight. Casting lots can end arguments and settle disputes between powerful opponents. It's harder to make amends with an offended friend than to capture a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with iron bars. Words satisfy the soul as food satisfies the stomach. The right words on a person's lips bring satisfaction. Those who love to talk will experience the consequences, for the tongue can kill or nourish life. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure and receives favor from the Lord. The poor plead for mercy. The rich answer with insults. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. End of reading, Proverbs 18, 13 through 24. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. You couldn't come into a relationship with God without any consequences. Your life is going to be changed. There will be greater fulfillment, greater delight, joy, freedom, peace. That's just what we got through listening to as we heard the Proverbs. The Proverbs are all about these practical real changes that God makes in an individual's life. Our human relationships, our work ethic, finances, our morality, the way we treat others, all of life, parenthood, children, romance and love and sexuality, our pastimes, art, every aspect of our being will be impacted. Well, that's what we find out too in the book of Romans. Now, Romans has begun with a tremendous theological introduction, particularly in the area of soteriology, the study and understanding of salvation. Paul is very complete as he talks about God's love for us, the problem of sin, and God's solution to sin in sending the Messiah, his own son, the Lamb of God, who took away the sins of the world, of those who trust in him and desire a relationship with God. Then, on that basis, he began to talk about the redemptive plan as it relates to people groups, the Jewish situation as opposed to the Gentiles, and he straightens out a lot of our misconceptions the misconceptions they even had in the first century as well as now. Starting in chapter 12, we continue now with the practical changes that knowing God means in our lives. Romans 12, 9 through 16, 27. Romans 12. Don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Stand on the side of the good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Be glad for all God is planning for you. Be patient in trouble and always be prayerful. When God's children are in need, be the one to help them out. And get into the habit of inviting guests home for dinner or if they need lodging for the night. If people persecute you because you are a Christian, don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. When others are happy, be happy with them. If they are sad, share their sorrow. Live in harmony with each other. Don't try to act important, but enjoy the company of ordinary people, and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God, for it is written, 
I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserve it, says the Lord. Instead, do what the scriptures say. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink, and they will be ashamed of what they have done to you. Don't let evil get the best of you, but conquer evil by doing good. Romans 13. Obey the government, for God is the one who put it there. All governments have been placed in power by God. So those who refuse to obey the laws of the land are refusing to obey God, and punishment will follow. For the authorities do not frighten people who are doing right, but they frighten those who do wrong. So do what they say, and you will get along well. The authorities are sent by God to help you. But if you are doing something wrong, of course you should be afraid, for you will be punished. The authorities are established by God for that very purpose, to punish those who do wrong. So you must obey the government for two reasons, to keep from being punished and to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes, too, for these same reasons. For government workers need to be paid so they can keep on doing the work God intended them to do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and import duties, and give respect and honor to all to whom it is due. Pay all your debts, except the debt of love for others. You can never finish paying that. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill all the requirements of God's law. For the commandments against adultery and murder and stealing and coveting and any other commandment are all summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to anyone, so love satisfies all of God's requirements. Another reason for right living is that you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for the coming of our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of our salvation will soon be here. So don't live in darkness. Get rid of your evil deeds. Shed them like dirty clothes. Clothe yourselves with the armor of right living, as those who live in the light. We should be decent and true in everything we do, so that everyone can approve of our behavior. Don't participate in wild parties and getting drunk, or in adultery and immoral living, or in fighting and jealousy. But let the Lord Jesus Christ take control of you, and don't think of ways to indulge your evil desires. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Romans 14. Accept Christians who are weak in the faith, and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it is all right to eat anything, but another believer who has a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who think it is all right to eat anything must not look down on those who won't. And those who won't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn God's servants? They are responsible to the Lord, so let him tell them whether they are right or wrong. The Lord's power will help them do as they should. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. Each person should have a personal conviction about this matter. Those who have a special day for worshiping the Lord are trying to honor Him. Those who eat all kinds of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who won't eat everything also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we are not our own masters when we live or when we die. While we live, we live to please the Lord. And when we die, we go to be with the Lord. So in life and in death we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, so that he might be the Lord of those who are alive and of those who have died. So why do you condemn another Christian? 
Why do you look down on another Christian? Remember, each of us will stand personally before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, and every tongue will confess allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will have to give a personal account to God. So don't condemn each other anymore. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not put an obstacle in another Christian's path. I know and am perfectly sure on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. And if another Christian is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be condemned for doing something you know is all right. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God, and other people will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, there is nothing wrong with these things in themselves, but it is wrong to eat anything if it makes another person stumble. Don't eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another Christian to stumble. You may have the faith to believe that there is nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who do not condemn themselves by doing something they know is all right. But if people have doubts about whether they should eat something, they shouldn't eat it. They would be condemned for not acting in faith before God. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Romans 15. We may know that these things make no difference, but we cannot just go ahead and do them to please ourselves. We must be considerate of the doubts and fears of those who think these things are wrong. We should please others. If we do what helps them, we will build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't please himself. As the scriptures say, those who insult you are also insulting me. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. They give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you to live in complete harmony with each other, each with the attitude of Christ Jesus toward the other. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. Then God will be glorified. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. And he came so the Gentiles might also give glory to God for his mercies to them. That is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place it is written, Rejoice, O you Gentiles, along with his people, the Jews. And yet again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And the prophet Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hopes on him. So I pray that God, who gives you hope, will keep you happy and full of peace as you believe in him. May you overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I am fully convinced, dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well that you are able to teach others all about them. Even so, I have been bold enough to emphasize some of these points, knowing that all you need is this reminder from me. 
For I am, by God's grace, a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring you the good news and offer you up as a fragrant sacrifice to God, so that you might be pure and pleasing to Him by the Holy Spirit. So it is right for me to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. I dare not boast of anything else. I have brought the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I lived before them. I have won them over by the miracles done through me as signs from God, all by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ, all the way from Jerusalem clear over into Illyricum. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I have been following the plan spoken of in the Scriptures where it says, Those who have never been told about Him will see, and those who have never heard of Him will understand. In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I have been preaching in these places. But now I have finished my work in these regions, and after all these long years of waiting, I am eager to visit you. I am planning to go to Spain, and when I do, I will stop off in Rome. And after I have enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, you can send me on my way again. But before I come, I must go down to Jerusalem to take a gift to the Christians there. For you see, the believers in Greece have eagerly taken up an offering for the Christians in Jerusalem who are going through such hard times. They were very glad to do this because they feel they owe a real debt to them. Since the Gentiles receive the wonderful spiritual blessings of the good news from the Jewish Christians, they feel the least they can do in return is help them financially. As soon as I have delivered this money and completed this good deed of theirs, I will come to see you on my way to Spain. And I am sure that when I come, Christ will give me a great blessing for you. Dear friends, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Do this because of your love for me given to you by the Holy Spirit. Pray that I will be rescued from those in Judea who refuse to obey God. Pray also that the Christians there will be willing to accept the donation I am bringing them. Then, by the will of God, I will be able to come to you with a happy heart, and we will be an encouragement to each other. And now may God, who gives us his peace, be with you all. Amen. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Romans 16. Our sister Phoebe, a deacon in the Church of Centria, will be coming to see you soon. Receive her in the Lord as one who is worthy of high honor. Help her in every way you can, for she has helped many in their needs, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. They have been co-workers in my ministry for Christ Jesus. In fact, they risked their lives for me. I am not the only one who is thankful to them. So are all the Gentile churches. Please give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend Epinetus. He was the very first person to become a Christian in the province of Asia. Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. Then there are Andronicus and Junia, my relatives, who were in prison with me. They are respected among the apostles and became Christians before I did. Please give them my greetings. Say hello to Ampliatus, whom I love as one of the Lord's own children, and Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and beloved Stachys. Give my greetings to Apelles, a good man whom Christ approves, and give my best regards to the members of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative, Greet the Christians in the household of Narcissus. Say hello to Trophena and Trophosa, the Lord's workers, 
and to dear Persis, who has worked so hard for the Lord. Greet Rufus, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother, who has been a mother to me. And please give my greetings to Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobas, Hermas, and the brothers and sisters who are with them. Give my greetings to Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and to Olympus and all the other believers who are with them. Greet each other in Christian love. All the churches of Christ send you their greetings. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things that are contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to see clearly what is right and to stay innocent of any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my relatives, send you their good wishes. I, Tertius, the one who is writing this letter for Paul, send my greetings too as a Christian brother. Gaius says hello to you. I am his guest, and the church meets here in his home. Erastus, the city treasurer, sends you his greetings, and so does Quartus, a Christian brother. God is able to make you strong, just as the good news says. It is the message about Jesus Christ and his plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now, as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere, so that they might believe and obey Christ. To God, who alone is wise, be the glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. End of reading, Romans 12, 9 through 16, 27. All right, the final chapters of the book of Romans as Paul moves into the practical implications of this powerful, beautiful gospel message. Romans chapter 1 says, I'm not ashamed of the God of the Bible or of the message of the Scriptures. That was a formulaic statement. He wasn't saying so much, I'm not ashamed. In essence, he was saying the opposite. I am proud of this good news about Christ. It explains the human dilemma and it gives the solution the provision that God has made for the problem of sin in humanity. It is beautiful in all of its details, individuals and individual situations, all the way to dealing with the humanity as a whole and with people groups and with governments and with societies. The gospel encompasses all of the human experience. It explains it and gives hope, beauty, it, truth, so that we can live our lives the way we ought, even in a messy world where good and evil coexist where bad people do bad things, and sometimes uh, good things happen to bad people, and sometimes bad things happen to good people. Even in a messy world, God is faithfully carrying out his plan. Paul begins saying that, and of course through chapter 7, and he talks about this gospel message as it relates to the individual. God has made a provision. He changes lives, and change lives then change the world. The book of Romans highlights that the gospel message is complete, it is not just a matter of getting forgiveness through the shed blood of Jesus the Messiah. We need more than forgiveness. 
The gospel is not totally contained in the message of the cross. Yes, that is a key element. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son who died on a cross, who gave up his life, not only on the day of his death, but Jesus, his whole life was a life of pouring himself out for the benefit and for the welfare of others. He gave his life continually, but ultimately even to an undeserved death, publicly executed. His blood does atone for our sins, and his death does purchase our redemption. But that's still not the end of the story. There is an empty tomb. That's why there are two goats on the Day of Atonement in Yom Kippur in the Old Testament. One's blood was shed and poured out for the atonement of sins. The other was taken live, removed from the camp, taken out of the community, out into the desert. And that was a picture of the work of Messiah who purchased our forgiveness with his death, and then by placing his spirit within us, the spirit of God comes to dwell within us, not just a passive indwelling of the spirit. That's not the idea. The indwelling means a commitment God has made to you, that he is going to escort you faithfully and unfailingly to glory. The spirit of God is there as a sign that God has sealed your destiny forever. You belong to him, and he will get you to glory without fail. As Jerusalem was the center of Jewish life, Rome was the world's political, religious, social, and economic center in these times. From there, the good news spread to the ends of the earth. The church in Rome was a cosmopolitan mixture of Jews, Gentiles, slaves, free people, men, women, young, old, Roman citizens, and world travelers. It had a potential for both great influence and great conflict, and that's exactly what we see. Paul had not yet been to Rome to meet all the Christians there. And of course, he has not yet met us either, right? We too live in a cosmopolitan setting with the entire world open to us. We also have the potential to both widespread influences and wrenching conflicts in our lifetimes. Listen carefully to Paul's teachings about unity, service, and love so that we Bible can apply Live them. with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 